A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that is brought to you by Levi Solicitors, 10% off your legal fees. As always, if you go through us, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, I'm Dan Moylan and I have with me Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White's Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you want to go all in on the square ball, get a full digital sub to the magazine, get all our podcasts ad free with early access to the match ball. Plus our exclusive subscriber only podcast, The Extra Ball, includes Great couple of chats with Bryn Law across the last two weeks. Have a look at TSB+. Plus. Also in there is a daily email with all the essential League United news that Moscow types, and it's quite witty. Not bad for you, Moscow. Please persist with that. Keep it up. I'll do my best. It's all-in-one. The all-in-one subscription package, the squareball.net forward slash plus. Only mere hours since we parted ways in this studio to talk about West Ham, and we're back again to do the regular weekly show. So let's not repeat exactly what we said on the match ball. If you want to get our immediate take on what we thought about the game... Have a listen to that. However, the big picture, uh, first of all, is five defeats in seven. Are we still fine? Are you fine, Michael? You're the, you're the barometer of this one. If we can win two more games of our remaining games, that'll be fine, won't it? So, I mean, given that we play what, what Fulham, Sheffield United, we've got West Brom, Brighton, Southampton. If we can't win two out of those five, we probably deserve to go down. It should all be fine. And we probably don't need to win two either. We might not need to win one. A couple of draws might even be enough. Might not even need them. Should we just lose them all just to prove a point? <laughs> we'll try and... It would prove the two points. One, that we can stay up without gaining any more points. And two, what Bielsa was saying about his job the other week, that you know you don't want to give me another contract until you see how bad a mess I make of the rest of the season. <laughs> so it'll be interesting just to push those two things to the limits. There's not a lot of tension in the Premier League. City are going to win it. We pretty much know. And the idea of being excited about who goes down, it's none of it's very exciting. So... Leads the team, much to Steve Nichols' upset, who have been bringing the thrills to this competition this season. Maybe we just do that a little bit more. Are they going to go down? Bielsa, will they? Won't they? Danger. Leeds, danger United. Um, I think we might have hit upon something last night when we said on the match ball that we're already kind of wishing away this season and want want to get to the summer. I was reflecting on that overnight and I I think, yeah, I'm already half in that headspace because I want to know 100% that we're safe. So we can start looking ahead to next season when it feels like we shouldn't be this, not low down. It just feels like we've got something to build on and we'll be a little bit higher up in the table because I want us to have some better players. That's the the long and short of it. I'm being greedy. Uh, But then again, I am also, I realised, ridiculously sentimental and attached to the current squad. I feel like these run of games have been frustrating because we've not been far behind West Ham and Villa and Wolves. And in some cases, we've been better than for large portions of those games. And I think that's why we want to get to next season so we can win these games. And it, it's felt frustrating having to watch us just fall short in games when actually we've got, it feels like we've got the basis of a really good team and we've got a better game plan and a more attractive game plan than most teams. It just doesn't quite work when we're having to shoehorn players into awkward positions. And we've not managed, I don't think, to get our fully our full strength, fully fit team on the pitch once this year, have we? It's been Rodrigo coming back from injury, Phillips coming back from injury, Urente coming back from injury, Cox still out. It's it's all over the place. And even people like Shackleton who might fill in in cases like yesterday when Click was having a bad game, he's out injured and Pablo's out injured. It's just all, it's been frustrating. I think my feeling is I almost want to get to summer, sign a couple of new players and have a fully fit squad and just go again next year and hope that we can win some of these games. Why can't we just enjoy what's happening now in that case? We I, can do. Well, I was actually about to say, on the back of what Michael said and on that theme, I think it's partly to do with the fact that we can't be there to enjoy it as well. Mm. And it's a sterile experience and there's not 
there's not a great deal at stake in most of these games. Not just for us, but the Premier League as a whole. As you just said, then it's quite boring, really, isn't it? A lot of it. If we beat Chelsea at the weekend, it will be dead entertaining again. Yeah. We did this at the end of last season, though. There was that realisation after we were promoted and champions and then we watched us play against Derby and you could feel everyone with the tension off going, fucking hell, Leeds United are really good to watch as if we'd not watched them. And I think it's true. We'd not really watched them. We were so caught up in the tension and the drama of having to get promotion after so long that it it spoiled the experience of how enjoyable the actual games were to watch. And we all sort of landed on that and thought, well, next season, all we've got to do is stay in the Premier League so we can kind of take the pressure off, just enjoy the games, really drink in and appreciate the football that Marcelo Bielsa has brought to Leeds, that we are the, the club chosen for football, unlike football that's being played by any other team in the country. Just appreciate that. For, and then we get to fucking 9th of March. I want next season. I want better players. This is horrible. I hate it all. It's boring. It's shit. But that's football, as Phil Hay has said in the last couple of weeks on that podcast. It's a it's a progressive sport, isn't it? And you're always looking to what comes next. It's it just, is. It's just the nature of the beast. It's a bit of a championship manager mindset, though, where you get to this stage of the season, you just click in, oh, I'll, just, I'll stop picking a team and just click. Next game, next game, next no, but, game, next game. So that you can get to the transfer window and yeah. you can buy some players and there's something there for you to do. I know that, but... It's it's wrong. It's about it's this yeah, whole it's, thing it is, of where everything in football is concentrating on VAR decisions, transfer market, controversy, and the game is fucking irrelevant. The thing is, what's weighing on my mind, and I'm tapping into Michael's vibe here, is that we've had a decade and a half of utter misery and I think there's so, just... Leave it behind. But there's still an anxiety that because we're not quite secure yet, we're not quite safe. I think there's just that little creeping doubt that, hang on a second, Fulham are putting a little bit of a run together. They're still shit and they've still barely won any games. But until that one is mathematically secure and we're just well away from the whole shit show, I think then I'll rest easy and I'll probably enjoy the last few games of the season. To be fair, there's still a quarter of the season to go. So we're not all the way through it yet. There's still a little bit of stuff at stake, isn't there? I'm not not enjoying these games because... You know, I'm looking forward to next season. I'm, I'm mainly not enjoying them because we're not winning them. Yeah. It's the absolute Welcome truth. Welcome to the Premier League. <laughs> Which is the, that is so. It's the price of promotion is you go into a division that you, you can't win every game anymore. It's like after the Southampton game. I think we were all quite enjoying it, weren't we? There is the residual memory of us being a really good team in the Premier League as well, and that does kick in when you lose to West Ham, who, as Moscow was saying yesterday, it should be shit. Like they, <laughs> they just they have no right to be in the top four. But there, there are two sort of concurrent things happening here, where there is one where it's you're talking about the fear of not being mathematically safe and that we might still get relegated, but then also talking about we want to get to a transfer window and sign better players. So it's like you want to be safe so that you can get rid of the players. And it's kind of, um, I was thinking more about the my perpetual defence of Tyler Roberts and just my desire to always support an underdog. It's kind of like, we know we can't sell him. We can't do anything with him. So I'm, I can't get on board with the mood where we're 20 minutes into a game and I was like, get fucking Tyler Roberts off. I'm like, well, why not just let him play 90 minutes and see what he does? Because it's fine. It's And he'll probably be sold in the summer and we'll probably sign somebody better. And then next season, we enjoy watching them play. But at the moment, it's like if Tyler Roberts is 6 out of 10, 5 out of 10, it's all right. And there's a chance he might do something good in the second half. Even Bielsa in his press conference said he took him off when he was just starting to have like his best time in the game last night. So that it's kind of the, the rush... That oh, Click's finished. We need to sign a, a replacement for Click. Well, maybe when the transfer window's open and July comes around and Rodrigo de Paul is being unveiled, everything will be happy. But until then, it doesn't matter if Click has a future in football at the, in the Premier League or not. He's here and he's good and we're fine. So it's all right. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, never, I can't never, get into the stress of it all. Never mind what we think about this. Never mind what we think about this. Let's... um turn our attention to what you thought and we uh, we let you set the agenda here we ask our TSB plus subscribers for direct feedback for this part of the show what should we talk about basically things we got right things we got wrong things we might have missed from match ball so what have we had sent through in the last few hours I enjoyed Jack's most of all to be honest but is it possible in this day and age to recreate the fire of London which is it's an option I mean as we finished the podcast yesterday I think I was discussing similar things for the VAR Stockley Park compound. Could we just get rid of that? I mean, we probably shouldn't commit this to a recording, but we did end up looking on Google Maps to see where it was. <laughs> That's not to say that we're going to initiate any sort of direct action against Stockley Park. Just curious. If it did happen, though, 
a free with just, no one with no one harmed, obviously. Just to make you aware, I, as far as I can tell, it's just outside London. It's inside the M25, just north of Heathrow. And the binyard looks flammable, doesn't it? <laughs> just has that little air of of fire about it. I hope not. I hope appropriate health and safety measures are, are, are in place. And if, if something terrible like that should happen, that it happens late at night when there's nobody around <laughs> and it's only the building and its contents that are damaged. So don't go near Stockley Park late at night, just in case any of that. Yes. Yeah. Stay well clear because that, stay, that in your sounds, stay in your that almost, homes. Almost sounds like a warning. We can't guarantee <laughs> your safety if you go there. <laughs> oh shit, this has gone wrong. <laughs> uh, dear, what well, else? I mean, it was Jack wants to burn down an entire capital, so it's Jack's fault. Yeah, and presumably we've got Jack's details to pass on to the authorities. Of course, yeah. yeah IP good. address, email, all that stuff. Great stuff. Um, what else did we get in? Clarky boy was saying on the VAR decision, are we sure that Bamford touched the ball? And I was trying to find this out today by watching highlights and I couldn't find a satisfactory angle. I think he probably did. Yeah, I, I think instinctively that he did and having not seen any more replays since last night. But do you know what would solve that? The VAR thing. Just saying. It's an option. It's like we'll, we'll keep it open as an option. On the actual game, though, Chris did point out, are we bad at corners because we have practice against ourselves? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Which is possible. On, and on the corners, Moscow, you did ask for stats. So the last time we conceded a set piece was against Everton. Which a was, month ago. Which was a month ago. Yeah, so we're absolutely fine at them. And I would also point out, um, Simon on Twitter described me as nailing Leeds issues when we concede from corners. Not the system, but the players. Urente. And I, you know, not just because Simon is saying I'm right and I'll take any kind of support I can get. Notice the same thing I noticed about Urente on the re- when he's lining up to defend. He's sort of looking at the ground as if he's kind of looking at a space just next to the player's feet that he's supposed to be marking. And I noticed the other players next to him were kind of eye, eye contact or at least aware of the torso of their players. And it just didn't look like somebody who was good at doing that, but it looked fixable as if, okay, now we, we watch those, to watch the game back and somebody will say, right, Diego, don't know what they taught you so far. Now he's 27, but do you want to come and we'll teach you how to man market corners and then you might be fine. If, but, if he's not played in the system, because zonal marking is the done thing now mainly, isn't it, on set pieces? If he's come from a, a background of always zonal marking, it is more difficult. The, uh, the quote he gave to Graham Smith in his big interview at the weekend was, man marking is how I played in Spain and it, uh, I was very happy to come and join Leeds to uh, uh, help my adaptation. Hoist by oh. his own petard, the idiot. But I don't know if that meant in, I think he was talking more about match situations, and I've used it to make you look stupid. I don't know what they were doing at, at corners specifically. It could have been. It could have. Well, it's you, but it could have been zonal marking at corners. I don't know, but it. You know, you're in with a different team, and and West Ham are good at. We haven't got the stats, have we, on how many West Ham score from corners? But I know their midfielder. What's his face? Is it Suchek? He has scored more headed goals than I think anybody else in the Premier League this season, um, and he's a midfielder. Which, seem, again, seems unfair. The whole West Ham being a good thing is, just seems to be built on lies. So, Michael, I'm say you've, you've pulled these statistics about goals conceded, and we are indeed top of the uh, top of the pops when it comes to set-piece concessions with 14 goals conceded by set-pieces, which is a long way clear of Sheffield United, who I believe are heading straight for the championship. They're second with 11 conceded from set-pieces. Now, another statistic in another one, of the, another one of these columns that I've just noticed is concession by penalty and we have conceded the most penalties at seven which are we going to start that will pe- be a peddling conspiracy theory i was going to say that will definitely be a, a fa premier league i don't know who, who appoints the referees is that the fa or the premier league both of them are in on it anyway and it's also worth adding that that feels to me like seven penalties conceded is a long way clear of wolves brighton man city and spurs are in second place with six it's a it's a lot more than they're, than they're conceding is that yes uh, definitely a conspiracy. I mean, we do give away some cheap ones. Ailing's one yesterday. There was no real need for it, was there? And we had um, Urente. Oh, it was overturned that Urente won, but Cock and Rodrigo were to blame in the first two games. So it did look like I mean, to blame, but they gave the ones away in the first couple of games, and it, they looked like kind of start of the season, new club, new country kind of mistakes. Like the handball would wouldn't be given now. We think, and it was um, Robin Cox's like weird lunge that. He was just doing a, a bad job of defending. I would say on the, the high number of set pieces, we don't have a breakdown of percentage of goals and I can't do the maths, but it is worth pointing out that we we have conceded more goals than anybody apart from Crystal Palace and West Brom in general. 
So it's, you know, it stands to reason that a lot of the many, many goals we have conceded will also be from set pieces. So a proportion of goals might be, uh, might be more interesting, but nobody brought that statistic because you did half a job. <laughs> And, what, and prove nothing. That's what this podcast is built on. We proved that you're wrong. But, you know, in general, I mean, we pick on set pieces and we're right to highlight penalties. I think, you know, Luke Ayling was a bit daft going in on Lingard the way he did. But I mean, fair play to him for claiming that he got a touch on it as well. Yeah, it's a good attempt. Why not? But the general picture of Leeds United in the Premier League this season is that we're just conceding loads of fucking goals in general. So it's kind of, is it is it corners? Is it penalties? Is it? Open play. How do we deal with it? Get more attackers, get more better outfield players. Well, it's where it's defending starts from the front. That's what Bielsa says. It does indeed. And Um, he was saying as well that it's when we're giving the ball away in our own half is what causes a lot of these problems. So it is kind of midfield and forward of retaining possession all the way into their penalty area that lets us down sometimes and puts more pressure on our second string centre backs, strike and ailing as it's often been. Who are I wonder if maybe that is, this. this is where they need to get Michael involved again with the coaching because, you know, you've been coming up with some really important stuff, I think, mm. in recent weeks, months, uh, about how he could take this team forward and what Moscow's saying there is if we're passing to the opposition in our half, is there a way we could remedy that? Something we could do to address that? We're aiming more at your own players. Is, will that work? Yep. You think that'll cut it out? Yep. And also on the corners, if you win, get the header first ahead of the attacker. That's that's how you stop them scoring. Great, and then what do you do with it? Just sort of you, well, head to someone else on your team. Yeah, and then you're doing both at once. There. Well, thanks. Really insightful. Thank mm-hmm. you. But let's finish on something positive. There. Let's go out on a high when we've uh, finished this bit on the feedback. Rachel said she thinks we need to give Leeds a bit more credit for the performance. But why, Rachel? Why? Because Calvin was great, and Stuart Dallas in the second half was amazing. And that's a fair point. Stuart Dallas is now our best player, more or less, wherever he plays, which is quite remarkable. And Calvin, today hasn't played in several weeks. We did completely ignore his performance, more or less, which was unfair because he was. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, he also said he was um, good and pointed out as well that our second half was all us, but it was lost in giving those two goals away because West Ham, they love defending with loads of people back, so we're trying to break through. Hey, but they were good. And I was going to use Stuart Dallas as an example for the, uh, is it even worth talking about Tyler Roberts anymore but his remember his first season under Bielsa I only realised this because there's an article about it in the new issue of the square ball coming up he only started 11 games in the first season if you remember just before the playoff um, matches against Derby sorry I should do a warning before mentioning that but it was the Derby matches that turned it around when everybody went oh actually you know Stuart Dallas yeah. let's not bomb that shit bastard out after all he could be quite good and the next season after he became um, he didn't really start last season in the team but then as he kind of kept filling in for Barry Douglas wasn't coming back and Forshaw wasn't coming back, just made himself slowly, gradually undroppable to the point where you are, we, we've had that question of uh, how much would it cost to, to buy a player who could do Stewie Dallas's job. And Rachel's quite rightly pointing out he was one of the best players on the pitch up against Rice and Suchek, who were some of the best midfielders in the Premier League. £100 million, apparently, Rice. Well then, two hundred million pounds for Stewie Dallas because he can play two positions, <laughs> and also doing the half Irish, half English thing that uh, Declan Rice has done. Yeah, so he could play for two countries and not just one. So maybe that doubles his value again. Quite possibly. Uh, let's move on to propaganda then, and what other people have been saying about Leeds United, and we've got some uh, some characters here to start with. Some old friends. We've obviously not had much time to um, to get reactions to this. So a friends lot of, of yours. A lot of the <laughs> no, I believe he's a good friend of yours. You've got similar opinions about many things. It's Richard Keys. Who's now working in uh, We've Qatar. got different opinions about shaving the back of her hands, you tell you that. You don't have a daughter, do you, Moscow? No. And therefore she doesn't have any friends. What's that? This is a bit of an attack on my imaginary daughter. If I had a daughter, I think she'd be very popular, so fuck you. <laughs> I think, well, Keyes' daughter's friends were very popular. In that household, certainly. But yeah, he's he's here with, uh, is he in Qatar or Dubai? I can't remember. He's somewhere where there's money, isn't he? Yeah, Qatar, I believe. Collect- it's, yeah. Collecting his paycheck while getting... Um, increasingly spherical, which is just banter, Richard. I'm not having a go at you. I'm not body shaming you. You hairy-handed balloon. <laughs> you fat mess. It's fine anyway, because that, as, we, as we're aware, that is just banter. But he's being a bit of a dick here, and Nigel de Jong, who is on, is just not having it, which is quite nice. And then you hear Richard backing out of it. And hopefully also like being in the top eight mm. places. Yeah, if he's there. 
Oh, he'll be there. You can't sack him. You think so? <laughs> nah, he can't sack him. He can't sack him. Come on. After he, what he did with Leeds last year. I'm not and surviving And surviving the Premier League this year. Yeah, he got to be there. F- football's a strange business. It's a really strange business, business, but it won't be unfair for him just to leave him now. It wouldn't be my now. decisions. No point having I'm not saying it's your decision, but you can't question his position. Come on now. I, I'm not questioning his position. I am So you're saying if he's going to be there? That, that there, is a, there is a body of thought that maybe he, he's not... He's, listen, he's been here longer now than any other job that he's been mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's due to himself as well. Well, maybe he likes it. Yeah, <laughs> he lost, yeah. He lost yeah. the place maybe there. Maybe he does. Maybe yeah. he does like the place. Here is Jesse Lingard. <laughs> Is Andy Gray a robot now? <laughs> I think he's he's on some sort of 1980s phone. I think he's Andy Gray. I don't know why he's on such a bad line, but yeah, Keith's going. Well, it's not it's not me saying it. Some people think who who which, thinks which people are, are they then, Richard? Is you? Is it you? Is it your mates? Uh, De Jong, I think, is about 30 seconds away from two footing him in the chest. There, to be honest, so it's he's got away lightly. My mate Neil, who lives over there, was um, he was saying that because of the travel ban into uh, the various Emirates that he's had to stop flying his golfing mates in from the UK. You know, all the same fellas are basically the same age as him and all look like him. And now they're having to employ what, people. fat and hairy? They're having to employ people who are over there who are probably going to challenge his opinions a little bit and he won't be liking it. Should we get him back to the UK? Keezy? Yeah, give him his job back, eh? No? I think Richard and Andy's brand of casual misogyny would go down very, very well in, uh, in 2021 Britain. Let's get him back. And get them back on the TV. That's what needs to happen. Yes, yes, Michael. On to West Ham fan TV then. I think it was quite nice listening to them because they were in some ways more complimentary about us than we were because we, I think we were annoyed at having lost. And when you looked at your Twitter feed, it was all full of angry Leeds fans being like, ah, oh, we should, shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but it's easy for them because they don't have the same existential dread that we do. Possibly so, but I mean, I guess they're in the, the joyous thing of having been in new ground here, aren't they? They've not been in the top four before and they're like, oh. It's exciting up here. But if we drop out, that's okay too. When you said their new ground, then I was thinking about the uh, the London Stadium. I thought they hate it. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't like that. Different new ground. At least they don't have to go at the moment. So it's probably a blessing for them. But this was from the live watch along, and this was them being being very worried in the opening stages and absolutely hating their own team. Uh, this is so bad. This is bad. We are a fucking shambles. Just settle down, boys. Settle down. We usually take a while to settle into the game, but this is just. All over the pitch, even good players like Declan Rice are just running into brick walls for no reason. Which reflects what David Boy said in the post-match that we mentioned on the match ball. They weren't that happy with their performance. Only it sounded a little bit more like it was recorded in a backstreet boozer. Settle down, boys, settle down. We don't want the filth down here. <laughs> and then after the game, they were, again, fairly complimentary about us. They were kind of going on the line of, they did, on balance, deserve to win it. Because when your team's won and... You tend to go down that route, don't you? And there's an argument that said it was a fair result, but they were they were fairly balanced. There was no, um, it was quite a, a different story from like the Arsenal fans. They seemed quite a well balanced lot, really. Did this this group don't want no trouble. They played some good stuff today. They 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 got us, especially in the second half. But you can't afford to finish the way they were finishing. You know that the chance that, that Bamford put over the bar from yeah. eight yards out, six yards out, something like that. You know that's inexcusable some of them chances they missed tonight. And the, the other one, I thought, I think it was early in the second half where they've played him through and he's just, he's got, Dawson's uh, played him onside. He's got the other yeah. side of Diop and he smashes it wide. You know, you sit here and think, yeah, oh, yeah. we're having our luck again. It was good to hear opposition fans slagging up Bamford for missing chances. Just, just to throw that in there for a bit of balance as well. And it does show how much things have changed, maybe in the way I was talking about earlier on from the championship where, if we'd seen or I had seen Bamford doing those things against Reading when it was nil-nil and we're trying to win promotion to the Premier League, I probably would have come in here and, I mean, not punching the walls, I'm not remotely hard, but cross. Whereas last night, I was like, whatever, bit of a giggle, isn't it? I reckon the walls could take you as well. Oh, I'd, <laughs> I mean, I'd lose, fight a cat, I'd lose. I don't fight cats, but I don't know why they came up with that. And then the final clip. I think we should just play this one and I'll get your take on it. It seemed a bit weird to me when I heard it. BL's pacing back and forward. He's going to have his crouch. I tell you, his legs must be proper strong, the way he crouches like that. Look, on his toes as well. He ain't even got his I feet. Bet he's banging it ever, ever the shit in public. <laughs> you know, like when you, ain't, you can't find toilet. Yeah. I bet he's the best at that. I bet he's like, oh, yeah. oh, I can't do that. I can't squat down. He's like, ah, oh, fucking easy job, that. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. Bit of scatology there on the old uh, West Ham pod. I'm intrigued by him being the best at it. I mean, who of us is the best at shitting outside? We don't know. Is it a Cockney thing? Do they competitively do that of an evening? Go around the back of the boozer. We, we were talking yesterday on the match ball about doing a true crime podcast. Maybe this is what we do. Some sort of investigation. This pu- public defecation is not al- uh, allowed, is it? I don't think so. They did all seem to take that too calmly. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. That It's an outrageous thing to talk about and do. They, they were giving him credit for it, though. They saying they reckon he's the best at it. It seemed like that was going to get him a bit of respect. Because I've seen some people, they're not good at it. Guys all over themselves. It's not pretty. These foreigners, normally normally I can't do it, can I? But he looks like he'd be fucking great at it. Here's a question for the ages for you then. Why do Leeds never draw? Boring, isn't it? Because we're pursuing art and truth and beauty and we're trying to win. I think that's what it is. Question is posed by Phil Hay this week on The Athletic. It's his match piece for the West Ham game. Why do we never draw? Why don't we draw, Moscow? The other teams keep winning. Good point. Uh, there's also a look at possible options to sign as cover for Calvin Phillips, which will be a good piece because then we can steal all those uh, players' names and talk about them on here. Don't mention them in public, though. We'll bump the prices up. Does Phil A want to cost us millions? If you want to catch up with Phil's latest stuff and read all his writing, do it via us and you can sign up at the minute for a pound a month. Theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. And we'll pick his brains on all this on the Phil Hay Show later on this week. James Todd Smith, a name on everybody's lips this week. Is he play for Bournemouth? He sounds very much like a generic uh, Bournemouth um, creation, doesn't he, by football manager? Or actually all the players they've signed in real life. If you haven't seen that, by the way, the fake Bournemouth players thing, it's well worth looking up on Twitter. Somebody's done like a, a name generator for 32 different players and then pitted them all off against one another. And they're all generic names like that, aren't they? James Smith and Todd Smith. And Who is this guy, though? Is he a, is he a, a pop star, is he? A pop singer? Well, zero in on his first name. James, ladies love Cool James. Talking about L Cool J, our latest celebrity fan. Is is he a fan? I mean, he put a video on Twitter to his five million followers. Can we claim all of those as Leeds fans now? Are you impressed by this? A little bit, I suppose. Yeah. Well, he's legitimately famous, isn't he? That's the thing. But he's a proper megastar, yeah. and he and he has tweeted about Leeds. You don't get the feeling this would have happened a year ago, do you? I mean, this is, is this is the guy. Was he, he starred in Deep Blue Sea? Didn't he? And then that's one hell of a. Hollywood blockbuster. I've not seen it, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth a watch. This may be the, uh, the the passage of time from five years ago or so on, maybe longer. Basically, I'm, I was trying to imagine what it would have been like if we'd sent him a box full of Macron <laughs> and the uh, the enthusiasm he might have had for an unboxing video with that, like a video of it just on fire in a bin. Do you remember the Ken being Bates, posted um, to Stockley Park? The Ken Bates <laughs> members and season ticket pack, which involved. A white cap, which was really... It was just all the cheapest shit they could give you, basically. It was a drinks bottle that looked like it would leak instantly. A cap that looked like it would fall apart and if nothing else would make you look a bit simple. It was... What, there was a keyring in it, which I think might have just about been all right for a few months before all the enamel started chipping off it. I mean, yeah, we have come a long way from that, haven't we? Our gift packs have uh, upgraded and, and it helps explain why we have the maroon third kit. Is It looks good on LL Cool J. Like that's a perfectly reasonable reason to design the kit that way. It makes it a bit um, a bit more explicable. I would like some context. I think that's what's missing from this because it was on the day when a lot of people were talking about it being a year since the Huddersfield game and all this kind of thing. Um, so that was kind of the subject of the day. And then just out of nowhere, LL Cool J's got some lead kits, and Andrea Rodriguez written a note. Welcoming, but what what was welcoming him to the teams? Is, mm. is is it welcoming him as a fan? Is it because he's a has he got a chunk of investment in with the Forty Nineers Enterprises thing, and they all get one of these as a as part of that? Is it just did they just send it randomly to see if it it would reach him? You know, as well. I, I mean, maybe writing a letter to the stars. Have they? Everybody's got one of these, but he's the only one who actually opened it. Well, it, maybe because LL Cool J's East Coast, San Francisco Forty Nineers are West Coast. Maybe. We are the architects of finally healing the coast-to-coast rap rivalry in the United States, and Leeds United has been the agent of peace. I mean, I think Moscow's Jackie Harrison theory was more plausible that he put forward. This was in the propaganda email on uh, Monday. So if you are a TSB Plus subscriber, you'll know instinctively what that's about. But um, they've met before, is perhaps all I'll say about it, because if you don't subscribe, you don't deserve to know. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, I take it back. Yeah. You know, they, LL Cool J went to a New York City match when Jackie Harrison was there, and they uh, there's a there's a clip on Twitter of them um, conversing in the changing room, having quite a deep conversation for at some length. And uh, I can only assume perhaps that um, LL Cool J has followed his career since, taken a healthy interest in young Jackie, and uh, and that's why he's he wasn't going to get a Middlesbrough shirt, was he? Just uh, chuckling to myself at the idea of him unboxing a load of Macron stuff, uh, and it led me to the thought that. It was Run DMC who did that song, My Adidas, wasn't it, in the 80s? Imagine him doing a My Macron, a follow-up to that. Doesn't really scan, does it? The Karma Gold Away shirt being pulled <laughs> from the... It wouldn't even been a box, would it? It'd have been in like a... a carrier bag. A, a Sainsbury's bag or something, wouldn't it? That someone's <laughs> dug out from under the sink. It'd be the same Sainsbury's bag that Marcelo was carrying on the platform at Leeds Station full of his dark fruits, I reckon. Oh, it well. Is, it is a different... <laughs> I mean, we can now confidently give these gifts to people, whereas if you imagine sliding across a... A box with a Macron shirt in it and a note from fucking Neil Warnock. And they're like, "Look, James, we'd really like your support, but this is this is pretty much the best we can give you." Sorry, you can come to a game. Um, we'll put you in the executive box with the chairman. Oh shit, it's Ken Bates. Um, tell you what, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. Does lead me to the question: Are we now the coolest football club on the planet? As if we weren't already. I mean, we were always kind of a cult thing, weren't we? But we're going like crossover mainstream now because old cool J there is a uh, he's a big name and we've got the uh, the Jay-Z already in the bank and we've got a whole host of uh, gridiron players as well yeah. who, who have been tweeting support for Leeds and a few WWE stars as well I believe and uh, Colin Montgomery he's got big youth appeal hasn't he <laughs> kids all love Colin Montgomery <laughs> him and uh, Stefan Edberg yeah yeah. all, it's all the uh, all the teenagers are talking about the pair of them on to more sedate matters. The accounting period for last year has been extended by a month. Do you care? Nah. Well, it will make keeping track of these things more difficult because you'll have all these 12-month periods and then the 13-month one, and you're trying to compare profit and loss year on year. And I'm bad enough at maths already, so trying to make sense of that. Does it get calculated, broken down, so it's like loss per 90 minutes? Is that Because that's where you've got players who play different amounts of time for their XG. It's now XG per 90. So will this, you know, do you do it like that? Is it calculate week on week? I don't know. Because it's we've always had that nine-month period when Bates took us out of the admin that he created. It was always like a, a floating confuser at the start of the 2010s that ruined the way that we were trying to analyse the accounts for years because you get back to that point and you just go, oh, it doesn't make any sense anymore. And now they're throwing it in again. Well, it's because of COVID, this, isn't it, we think? Because um, the season didn't finish till uh, July the 22nd was the Charlton game. So it makes sense to extend it by a month. And then it means that they can keep track of what came in for the 2020, um, well, the 1920 season, sorry. I think instead of publishing these confusing accounts when they do, they should just fax everybody a picture of Rodrigo de Paul and say... It's irrelevant how much money we made or lost last year. Here's Rodrigo de Paul, and there's fax a picture of him. I'd rather just see the real one. Don't don't fax him. Just present him on TV. I'd have a fax as well. I'd have to buy a fax machine first. I I did have a fax machine, you know, at one stage. Only ever dug it on transfer deadline day. (laughs) Didn't use it very much either. Colin Montgomery's got one. Just you and Ken Bates just faxing each other relentlessly. He'll be the first person to know when we sign Rodrigo de Paul, and the last person to tell anybody. Uh, speaking of Rodrigo's, young lad called Rodrigo got a couple of goals in the under 23s. See that? Hopefully, uh, he'll be making a, an appearance in the first team before too long. This does show how far we've come in a way because if someone had shown you a couple of years ago uh, Spain's number nine playing in our under 23s, you would have been thoroughly confused. We had Maduka. Who? If that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> Rafa like, Mojica. Yes, Mojica. Him. Mojica. We had him. Spanish. <laughs> Mr. Maduka. <number> nine. <laughs> Not Spain's number nine, though. A Spanish, well, I think a Spanish you, person with number nine on his back is not the same. You can do anything you want with semantics, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, we're pissing this league, the under-23s. Oh, we should have won by more than two in this, to be honest. We absolutely battered them for the entire game. And we're going to win the league because we're 13 points clear at the top. I did quite enjoy Rodrigo giving himself that penalty. He'd already scored, hadn't he? Yes. Scored quite a good goal. And then when there's a penalty, you might think perhaps you know one of the, the young kids wants to have some practice at taking a penalty with a bit, bit of pressure on, but not too much because we're at, nope. Rodrigo wants to get his under-23 stats up. Um, have you ever done tug-of-war outside of like school sports day or anything like that? No. It's not your common sort of street sport, is it? Is this going the way that West Ham podcast 
Come <laughs> in. I'm just thinking of Michael's, you know, sort of rough existence on the streets of Pontefract. You don't see him there, do you, with a hanky tied around the middle of a rope, yanking away at each end. Smell of Haribo in the air. Conjuring some all weird, weird images there, and I'm half thinking about shitting as well. Plus, <laughs> plus tugging in, tugging down an alleyway, and it's all it's all getting confusing. There's too many fluids. Just move on from this. Well, Pascal strikes at the centre. He is that handkerchief in the middle of a tug of war. It's an international tug of war. I think when there's this, this doesn't happen very often when a player can go for two countries, apart from obviously Declan Rice and Ireland and England. The whole thing around that international tug of war between Belgium and the Netherlands for the services of Pascal Strike, and it's all getting a bit confusing. I mean, he's got Indonesia. He can still throw the hat in the ring as well, can't he? He can play for them due to his grandparents. So still waiting for Luxembourg to show their hand as well. I'm sure they they always have a say where Benny Lux is concerned. I do love the word Benny Lux. It's the only reason I'm even throwing that in there, so I can say Benny Lux. What defines Benny Lux? It was Belgium, Belgium Netherlands. Netherlands, Luxembourg. Oh, God. Benny Lux. Yeah, why are they together? Next to each other. It's the, lo- the low countries. Yeah. They're just mates. Just mates, just yeah, throwing it all in. It's fine. It's like, Have you heard of that thing, the United Kingdom? <laughs> but also the difference with them is the word is Benelux. So why wouldn't you? That's probably what started it. They got together and said, you know, if we joined forces, we could call ourselves Benelux. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, where do we sign? And then you're never going to fray that agreement unless something like this comes along and then bear and neh start fighting and looks like lads somebody, we've got, we've, somebody stop him we've got Benny looks to protect you <laughs> can't he's, fall he's out he's a maniac he's out of control oh, uh, just to delve into his, his heritage then born in Belgium Pascal Strout but raised in the Netherlands and his paternal grandparents from Indonesia so he, he's got a foot in various camps there he seems to have turned down Belgium for now anyway doesn't he that seems to be the thing Martinez has said that he his heart has tilted towards the Netherlands but he, like but, a windmill but, but rather, well no you would tilt at a windmill wouldn't you rather, the, rather curious Rather curiously, though, he said that the strike file is not closed at the minute, which but, adds an air of mystery and espionage to it all. And then minutes before recording, we've learned that Stroik has apparently turned down a call up from the Dutch under-21s because he's not sure about them either. So I don't know if maybe I was trying to reason why Stroik would turn them down and turn Belgium down and turn everybody down. Maybe he's just quite realistic and doesn't think he's cut out for international football. Things, there's no point calling me up. I'm not that good. Like when when Cock and Yorente, I'm not very good. So I'm just going to hang around here, get get citizenship here, and play for England. Well, yeah. When Cock, Yorente, and Cooper are all fit, I'm probably not going to be playing. So you won't pick me. So there's no point in me coming. Maybe it's that. Well, they've said he, he never had a lot of confidence at Ajax, so he could just be. That's <laughs> really going to build him up. <laughs> Maybe he's being sensible during a pandemic. He's yeah. just thinking, I'll come next time. I'll wait for a, I'll wait for the jabs and stuff. Be interesting to see where he ends up. But as long as. Benelux persists. That's all that really matters here. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, at least we're not going to London for this one. They are coming to us this time. We've got Chelsea at the weekend. Are you enjoying Chelsea's recent success in an almost perverse way? 
A little bit, yeah. Not to the extent that I actually want them to win anything. But I think they've proved the point now. I think Tuchel should probably just walk away. Now he's just said, look, that's what happens. You get a proper manager in, you win some games. You can but have, now, have but now you're on your own. Now. Yeah, exactly. You do know that his, like, his, um, his favourite pet journalists will shift the narrative round to, to being that Lampard laid the foundations for the Champions League. He just needed more time. That's what the, the narrative will be. I mean, after he grew his first game, where, where he'd been in the job for, I think, less than 24 hours when he drew against Wolves, there were people saying... He's going to be under pressure, yeah, you know. No, no, the clock is ticking. It was even it was Henry Winter, who's normally quite sensible. Like he's been there for twenty four hours. I mean, you gave Lampard like eighteen months, and you were still making excuses for him. This guy's had a day, and you were you were had the knives out for him. But yeah, he's basically won every game since, and they don't concede any goals. Foreigner though, isn't he? It's not Frank, not darling Frank. To speak English though, <sighs> that, that is an advantage. That is an advantage. Although, as we've also covered, also looks like he murders people. So pluses and minuses is what we're going to say for him. There is a shame involved in this that's kind of linked to the passage of time and it being a year since we were back at Elland Road because this was the game that I kind of circled at the start of the season. Like, if we can just all be back by that match and Lampard has just been just about good enough to still be in the job. Vote of confidence. Yeah, we could really enjoy beating him, having at him in this match and hopefully getting him the sack. That was like a little target, like, Really want this Pandini to be over, and then I want to be back, and I want to be screaming at Frank Lampard. And we're not, we're not getting any of those things. Instead, we can't go, and we're getting Thomas Tuchel, who is too frightening to scream at. And also now Chelsea are good again, which is none of the things I want. I mean, that is an important factor that they are quite good now. But I wonder if, because it's not Lampard, and he's not going to necessarily G him up in the same way that he did like for the away leg, is this going to play into our hands because we can catch them by surprise this time? They're much better than they were then, though. Mm. Yeah, and the the way Tuchel's gone about it seems to be, from what I can gather, Lampard was a dick to everybody. And then Tuchel's gone in and he's been really nice. And so there was staff that Lampard would just like not talk to. But now they can go to Tuchel and say, how about we do this? And he goes, it's a good idea. And then he'll do it to try it. And there's this whole atmosphere at Chelsea now where they've actually got somebody in charge that isn't horrible and that seems to have changed everything so Lampard could have been in there and given you know in the the changing rooms given all the speeches about I came here with Derby I know what it means and you'd have international footballers who they bought for 150 million pounds or whatever looking at him going like why the fuck are you talking about Derby how how is this and it's like my uncle's dog which is like it's all about it matters and it would mean absolutely nothing to them. Whereas Tuchel, apparently at halftime, when they were tuned up against Newcastle, his halftime team talk was to say, if you win this game, you get two days off. And they were all like... That's Neil Warnock stuff. <laughs> and they were absolutely stunned. But then Neil Warnock has that power where, where he goes into a dressing room and the players all warn to him because oh, you can have a couple of days off, lads, and there's And there's... Uh, this, I mean, I'm going to say something libelous there. Um, <laughs> but he, he's very good don't, at sort of getting all the players together and getting them aside and having a laugh with them. And, the offer. and yeah, you can have some time off. We don't need to train too hard. And he, that referee, he was a bastard, wasn't he? That's why we didn't win. So all that, I think, so Tuchel is essentially the new Warnock. Is he the, the thinking man's Neil Warnock? Is that I mean, Warnock was going to go to Chelsea in the 90s, but he couldn't get on with um, Ken Bates, decided not to hire him. So this is kind of like history correcting itself is that brought Tuchel in. Given the players' time off, he's been he's being everybody's mate. It'll probably backfire at some point, but at the moment, I think that that will work better with a lot of prima donnas than Frank Lampard tapping his medals around the training ground. Yeah, making Jody Morris take training. Lampard hardly ever did it, and then going into the changing room and trying to fire them up. Say, when we were here last, I shot on that floor. <laughs> That's what this means. There has been a lot of scatology in this this episode. More than I expected. Well, it's the West Ham fucking connection. That's probably why the West Ham players are oh yeah, shitting in the street. Oh, because when when uh, Frank was here, all the time shitting everywhere. <laughs> it's the West Ham way. Oh, what an image. Yeah, this is quite an intimidating fixture, isn't it, really? Which is why I think we're going to win it. Ah, They don't concede any goals, though, do they? That's the problem. In, in his 11 games, he conceded twice, and one of those was a ridiculous own goal where Rudiger decided to just pass it into the corner, past his own goalkeeper. But we are not every, anybody else. We play differently to everybody else. This is, you're, you're heading a bit towards a Liverpool podcast there. We are such a special club. <laughs> we are. In in other ways, though, you could say they look kind of set up to 
beat us because they're really solid defensively and they've got good players who can hurt us when they break and probably score from set pieces too. The two things in our favour are, one, that we'll lead United, so we're the best team in the world and so we can beat anybody. It can happen. And two, that he keeps rotating. He keeps changing, every, like he's making five changes a game. So you don't actually know who's going to play. He could even put Kepper back in goal for a couple of matches just to see what happened. And magically, he's a good keeper now. Now he's playing for a good manager. It's fine. So there is a chance that the defence he picks will be weak because it's not their best players. The problem is that most of their reserve players <laughs> are, good. you know, World Cup winning international superstars. So it's it's difficult to um, identify weakness, as indeed whoscore.com highlights the only weakness their analysis has found is avoiding individual errors. Um, Weaknesses, proclivity for shitting on dressing room floors. That's gone now, hasn't it? And strengths, attacking set pieces. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. They're also strong at defending set pieces, so we can probably uh, rule out a goal from us. But I think my entire approach to this game is probably along the lines of Dan's that stranger things have happened. It's we, chaos. It's the chaos factor. That's what it is. The way we play, we do have a chance, don't we? It's yeah. not like like West Brom wouldn't even try to win this game. Whereas, you know, we might and we might lose 8-0. <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> Give it a that'll, go. That'll just make us cry in a few days' time. Oh, we're going we're gonna to win this. You idiot. You said that against West Ham. Yeah, but I've, I'm just, I'm trying to tap into Moscow's, I don't know, his, his stoicism, his pragmatism, but also his optimism about where we are. And why not? We, we need to beat one of the big teams above us hate using the term big teams because we are a big team as well, but, you know, one of the, uh, the so-called big six. Well, we don't really. Like, even if we lose after this, it's Fulham and Sheffield United, and those are the games that will keep us in this division. And then it is Manchester City, Liverpool, Scum, and those are the games that may be more difficult to win. Can we just take a second to appreciate what's happening at Liverpool? I'm really enjoying that at the minute. <laughs> it's funny. As much as I... Because of the lingering relegation fears, I did kind of that want Liverpool them to, might go down. Hey, I did kind of want them to beat Fulham. I did also laugh. The only risk there is we need them to sustain this hilarity until we're playing them. If we end up playing good Liverpool again, if they get their act together, I'll not be happy because I feel like we're not getting those breaks. It's like against West Ham, we didn't get the break on Melier's save, we didn't get the break on VAR, we didn't get the break on Bamford kicking in the goal instead of at the goal Rodrigo on the line. Nothing went our way, and I feel just got that horrible feeling that Liverpool will get their act together before we play them. But it would be really, really helpful if they could be even worse by then. Mm, we want to keep an eye on for when we do play Liverpool, and we can talk about it at that time rather than now. Well, uh, you brought it up. I know. I was talking about just hell. genuinely laughing at their predicament, but remind me, or take this as me going on record, to remind myself. Uh, yeah, they, remind when... you that in the week before we play Liverpool, we should talk about Liverpool. That's correct. When <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> Check to see when they play in the Champions League if they get through, because I think that might have a bearing on what happens against Liverpool. However, Chelsea, let's talk about Chelsea again. They're going to beat us. It's fine, though. That's my yeah, opinion. Yeah, go along with that. <laughs> I think they probably will beat us, and it'll still be fine. But You were saying we were going to win a minute ago, you idiot. But my heart says we will win this game. Well, let's hope so. If you're planning to move house now in 2021, look up Levi Solicitors when it comes to your conveyancing. It is one of the uh, the busiest times of the year right now. More houses on the market, loads more choice. So if you're going to crack on with it, give Levi's a shout because you can get an instant, no obligation, conveyancing quote on their website. And there's that 10% discount because you're going through the square ball. You can do houses, flats, purchases, sales, remortgages, new build properties. Levi's have got you all uh, covered with all that stuff. And they are specialists in the field and they offer what they call an outstanding level of service. No ordinary stuff here. It's really, really good. They know how important your house move is and they will look after you in accordance with that. So get in touch, get your 10% discount at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains, now then, please. Who's been good? Who's been bad across the last seven days? We had some early candidates in the match ball after the West Ham game, but let's um, get these ones boxed off now and, and dish out some awards. Ken Bates' villainy award is first people who've annoyed us in the last seven days. Uh, West Ham's technical area, which we can probably expand to just West Ham's stadium, having seen the picture Bryn Law put on from where he was commentating from. That's no position to watch football from. Unless you're in a, if you're in a European city in some sort of Olympic stadium, that's fine, which technically is what he was. Mm. Watching the 100 metre dash. But don't watch West Ham play there. That's mm. what I'm saying. And uh, Rich was picking on the technical area because it made Bielsa look lost. 
because it's so vast because the it ex- extends from the actual seating, which is about 100 metres away from the pitch. So you've got this enormous area that you can patrol. Well, he likes to pace up and down and do his 13 steps, doesn't he, as a, as a habit. So he had to do like, what, been doing multiples of 13 from the dugout itself to the corner and then across the front of it. Ridiculous. Big one, though. If I, it means you can do a shit and not have to walk through it, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is nice, I suppose. Good. It is the one stadium that I think fans are glad not to have to go to. I'm sure West Ham fans must be having the best season since they left Upton Park because they don't have to go to that fucking hellhole. <laughs> we got a nomination uh, via TSB Plus, but it was an anonymous, this one. We mentioned for Alan Smith. Villain calling Leeds naive. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I mean, we didn't catch that bit of commentary, but uh, we are prepared to uh, go along with this, despite any evidence <laughs> lacking that we've seen. Why, why? Why are Leeds naive? What have we done that's so naive? Because we're bad at defending set pieces. And as Moscow was saying, we should just really get better at it. Naive is a weird word that people seem to... I think it's a word that gets used about attacking teams conceding goals just because your other option is to do West Brom, Newcastle and have a a non-naive nil-nil. It's the idea that you can kind of, in any way, better your station in life is naive. That's what it it all comes down to. It's just, it's kind of, why why, why are they trying to attack? How naive? Manchester City can attack because they've got Kevin De Bruyne and they've got Mahrez and they've got Sterling. They can attack, but you haven't got them. So why do you think you can attack? That's so naive despite, to think that you can achieve anything in life. I said despite having what is fundamentally a championship squad. It's ridiculous that it's got us mid-table in the Premier League. So is it? it's naive maybe compared to those at the top. Is it naive compared to Sheffield United and West Brom? I'd probably say not. And it's just a word, as Michael says, it's just lazily applied to pretty much anything in football. The way he takes that corner. But such a naive corner. It, it, it doesn't, none of it really, it doesn't mean anything in this context. And it's some, it's what, how Alan Smith on his co-commentary, and we should stress it's the Leicester and Arsenal one rather than the um, scum one. And he can just say, oh, well, it's naive, knowing that whoever's doing the main commentary isn't going to say, what do you actually mean though? Yeah. What do you mean they're naive? Well, I mean, I did, I did analyse this and thought, is there a really, really subconscious whiff of xenophobia about it? I do wonder. Well, there is that Steve Evans, of all people, obviously, who can sit on Sky Sports and throw us as well. He may have managed Argentina at a World Cup and Chile at a World Cup, but does he know what it's like to be at Rotherham on a Tuesday night? No. He does. He's watched every game. Yeah, but that's what they mean about naivety, is they think that managing Argentina for years is not preparation for the unique challenges of the New York Stadium. Oh, he he might go there with his funny ideas that he had from managing Chile, but if he thinks that's going to work against Rotherham, he's naive. And it is bollocks. And there is an element of xenophobia there as well, where it's like, well, those ideas might work in South America, but this is England. We invented the game. Uh, Mike Dean's been nominated by Clarky Boy. Yeah, for um, being scared of the West Ham fans, being mean to him again. So he refused to book any of their players, which is, you know... I mean, he did book Phillips for nothing as well, didn't he? But Pathetic, that. Yeah, it was really. And it, it, Paul also nominated Mike Dean, amongst others. He said um, Bielsa, for starting with Costa. Which, uh, Mike Dean, just because, and LNER for not providing onboard snacks for Bielsa, because he had to get on with there with his bag for life, didn't he? When he was getting I, I on do wonder what was in that bag for life. It's something I will uh, I will ponder on for many years until I break into his flat and have a look. I won't break into his flat. We must have someone, an insider at the, the Sainsbury's station shop where they can be like, yeah, he got a cream egg. He's not picking up a bag there at the checkouts, though, is he? He's brought that from home. I would think so. Yeah, I think the nearest information we had, wasn't he spotted with um, some fresh bread rolls in Weatherby that he'd bought from, it's not Thurston's. Greg's. It wasn't even Greg's who... Morrison's Bakery, surely, no? No, it was somewhere else. It was a bakery, like a... An independent one. No, it was a brand bakery. Coupland's. It was Coupland's. There we go. We got there in the end. Get Um, the two straws. Very good. Yeah, he had had like a six pack of those. That's a lot of carbs. A lot of carbs to be taken. I don't think he was going to eat them all at once. Has he he made sandwiches for the squad? Well, if he only made six... Well, he, might, he might have cut him up. What's it, an 18-man squad? Thirds those rolls up. He I know does, he's he got-like, like, but I don't know if he can spread six <laughs> Coupland's bread buns between a squad of 20. Well, you just say he does like them thin. Yeah, these are your rations for today, boys. A third, a third of a ham sandwich. Feeding them like birds. 
chewing it up first, <laughs> spitting it into their mouths. Oh dear. What a weird images. Let's leave it. Chris has nominated London as a whole as a concept. Yeah, fine. Happy to go along with that. Yeah, we've, we've explored our fiery solution to that as well. And we've got um, Jack nominating Lingard, which I think is a an interesting shout. I, I'm not sure how I feel about teams in the top six loaning players to each other. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Who was it? Was it? It was some mentalist, wasn't it? High up in the football game, so it could have been someone at FIFA. Uh, I, mean, I, I was was it Infantino? I think it might have been. Who was even saying this, like creating a two tier transfer system whereby clubs in the Champions League wouldn't be able to buy players from one another. Presumably, that would be extended to loans. They'd only be able to buy and loan players from lower down in the football pyramid. I mean, yeah. I think that's mad. Well, that's why they've proposed it because that's what they do. They should be allowed Tony Agana at best if they want someone on loan. But it is a bit, it's a bit odd. <laughs> Reference for the kids again. Just for... Um, Christ, that's niche. Well, he was, he, for anybody wondering, he's the player we signed instead of Cantona on loan at first when uh, Chapman did his wrist and uh, contributed greatly to a nil-nil draw with Aston Villa. It, yeah, which season was that? By the way, 92 when yeah, yeah. We, we won the league. Strachan missed a penalty in that game as well, so he was more culpable than Tony Agana. The Sheffield United legend, partner of Brian Dean, who had just been sold to Neil Warnock's Knox County. And because we let Neil Warnock have Andy Williams, who you'll have heard discussed on Matchball 30 lately, we got Tony Agana for a game. Anyway, Jesse Lingard should not be playing for West Ham. I don't agree with this idea that you have a closed shop transfer market and club because it's obviously they're trying to do some weird thing about trickle down transfer fees there aren't they so you say oh Real Madrid can only buy players from Valenciano or I mean is that even a place no, I, should re- I should really have picked a Spanish club I could pronounce <laughs> I think somewhere between Valencia and Vallecano I think <laughs> Vallecano with, a, is... with a hint of an Italian club in there as well <laughs> oh Christ anyway I think that's what they're aiming for there but when you're in the closing stages of a league competition, to be... You should only be able to loan players from fictional clubs. Scum would not loan Lingard to Manchester City, would they? No. So why can they loan him to West Ham? Because they want to. Well, I think Manchester City should have had first dibs, because it's nearer. <laughs> Do it geogra- geographically, then Lingard doesn't have to move. Anyway, I'm tired. <laughs> right. I'm confused. Ken Bates, fun of the week, who is it? Should we give it to Alan Smith for having a naive opinion? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, and it was, uh, as I mentioned on the match ball, he was the one suggesting Melier might be disappointed in the centre-halves for not being first to the rebound from the penalty. <laughs> naive Je- defending. When, yeah, when Jesse Lingard had uh, a 10-yard head start. Yes, naive for not being the fastest men to have ever lived. <laughs> Olympic Stadium, though. Just True. Just following in the footsteps. And they of, did bring on Ben Johnson. Of Usain Bolt, yeah. All right, on to the Andy Hughes hero of the week. Um, can we start off with a nomination for Oldham for their good work, doing God's work this week? We have got rid of Harry Kewell, haven't we? Which is about time to finally seen the light. I mean, it has come at the cost of Alan Maybury losing his assistant manager's job. You but- sleep with snakes. I don't know if Alan Maybury sleeps with a snake. You work with Harry Kewell, then this is what you get. So well done, Oldham. The only risk here, I worry about Harry Kewell giving up on the idea of management. It might finally dawn on him that he's not going to be any good at it. And what's his next step? Dancing Pundit- on ice. I was going to say punditry. But that's another option. <laughs> but I fear the day when Harry Kewell is a pundit. I'm quite comfortable. If he just carries on this career of being a shit manager at a club in the lower reach of the, the Football League for six months and then getting sacked and then trying again, keep doing that. But the day he turns up, well, we have ex-Leeds United legend Harry Kewell covering the game today. No. He will be a pundit, but he'll be a pundit for Eurovision, not football, because Australia are in that now. He straddles that divide. Maybe what, that's what he can do. And what what Benelux had to say about this? There was a, a band in uh, Eurovision called Benelux, <laughs> which um, whenever I mention Benelux in the propaganda email, which has been frequent lately, people might wonder what the link is to, and it is generally to a link, uh, a video of Benelux featuring Nancy D performing Switch. And um, the three of them, they each wear a cape trimmed with the flags of the different Benelux countries and it's a really really good song who were they representing I'm not sure if it actually was a, now I've mentioned it I don't know if they were a yeah uh, because that feels like cheating three countries pooling their resources if they were a Eurovision entry but certainly um, they're a damn a, a good bit band like, what are the voting patterns like between Benelux countries actually there in Eurovision I bet they're all giving them giving each other the maximums aren't they a proper Cyprus Greece uh, thing going on there mm. anyway let's move on to this um, this nomination for Kamar Roof he's won a title which is great he got absolutely shit faced 
that was good. And Gary Max there as well. So congratulations to to them. Not brought any direct pleasure to us though. So it feels like they're it's an outside one. Well, for this I, week, but. I think I was quite pleased to see. It feels a bit like Kimaru missed out on our promotion. He almost played a part in it, I feel, because he was a big part of the season before and then we sold him when we maybe should have kept him, but I guess we needed the money. Who else are you nominating this week, then? I was just going to say Nancy D. Nancy D, what's she done? She was eliminated at the heat stage to become Belgium's Eurovision entry for 1981, as far as I can tell. So that's who she was. uh, She didn't make it through to the final round the year when they took... This is very slow-paced Eurovision news. From uh, a long time ago. I can't remember which song they actually went with. It looks like it was Fancy Free was the artist ah, with yeah. Die Welt is ein Schottenail. Which of course means, which means... Um, I'm going to bet it's the world is a stage, I bet. And I'm going to check that Oh, now. Christ. Michael, do some... Should, fo- we, should we do our own, yeah. our own podcast over here? Um, we've had a nomination for Cody Drama from Dan M, who, Neil Warnock's favourite player, obviously Drama, guaranteed success to Luke Ayling, which in fairness, he does look like. Moscow has got news. The world is a show stage. Great. I was right. I Thank speak you. Belgian. You're stealing all of Cody Drama's thunder just so you can talk about Eurovision. But yeah, he is really good in the reserves. Every time I see him play, he's more or less the best player on the pitch, certainly one of them. So, And he's massive in the under-23s. He looks like a he looks like a proper full-grown man <laughs> playing among some children. So let's have him in. Actually, on the under-23s as well, Mark Jackson, he's just quietly getting on with winning all the games there, isn't he? I feel like at this point last year, in a lower division, people were talking about Corbran maybe being our next manager. So I'm going to start the Mark Jackson to be our next manager. I thought we were saying that weeks ago, we were going to sack Marcelo Bielsa, get Mark Jackson in, play the kids. He can get in there. He can, he can teach uh, Calvin Phillips some tricks about playing deep-lying midfield, can't he? Uh, the expert there. Anyone who, anyone who missed his performances for Leeds. Oof. Some dynamic stuff. He's, he's doing better as a coach. He is. And good, on, and good on him. Bielsa, a better coach than a player. Mm-hmm. Um, can we nominate Sheffield Wednesday as well, just for their, um, well, just everything. They're brilliant, aren't they, at the minute? <laughs> it was, I mean, they are funny anyway, but yeah, the, them taking a free kick directly into the bollocks of one of their own <laughs> teammates at the weekend was a particular highlight. So, And the way that Rotherham game ended oh, as well. Perfect. So good. <laughs> just... My mate, my mate was sending me little screenshots of the owl talk forum and people saying our whole season hinges on this corner and it was the the corner <laughs> just prior to them scoring which I don't think he's probably saw coming I think he was thinking we can win it here and it'll turn things around but nope they were down they've, 10 men as well weren't they at the time yeah they, they've, they've got to that point I had a little fish through owl's talk because there's a lead thread on there that made that got famous on Twitter didn't it so uh I had a look a look through that and then a general look through the forum and they've reached that point now where they are saying it'll be good for us to go down so we can go down, we can get rid of all the expensive dead wood and then we can come back up and start again and bring through the youth. They're at that point now, that stage of denial. The sort of them are in Bates' denial mode as well of saying, we just need to back him. We just need to back the chairman. I know everything he's done to this point has been a disaster, but there's no point having to go at him. We might as well just back him and maybe eventually we'll stop dropping through divisions and it'll be fine. Anyway, enough about their... Uh... Their pain in our Schadenfreude. Who else? Paulo Grady is nominated. And he shows us that is actually his name. Uh, as nominated Llorente. So still showing progress with the ball at his feet. I was looking to invent something. Which is fair mm. enough. He's defending, yeah, a bit patchy. I mean, the others can't defend either, so it's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, and he also mentions that if he sees Cooper pass back to Melier one more time, he'll cry. Which is a bit harsh. I think Cooper's been actually very good in Cooper, recent weeks. last night, at times, was swaying around that pitch like Barese. Cooper it, is in the whoscored.com team of the season, if you look at that at the moment, which is based on all the average ratings and stuff. But it, it was noticeable. He was slinking around players and there was a, a movement in the hips that was uh, arousing. And upsetting Adam Forshaw, probably. Yeah. Um, sure we enough. nomination for Berardi, who's, who's made a Premier League squad. Not played yet, but I'm sure he will. It's, I think it speaks volumes that he was straight back on the bench after playing a couple of half games within the 23s. Bills was like, yeah, he's fine. He can be on the bench if we need him. He'll be fine. As mentioned earlier, Ron Rachel wanted to nominate um, Stuart Dallas for being brilliant. And he is absolutely fantastic. Now he's evolved into a great player and I I, I love him deeply. We all do. Uh, Jack wanted to nominate Calvin Phillips, somebody else we love deeply. Says he's the best midfielder in the Premier League and he's all ours. Is he? He's all ours, isn't he? I believe he's all ours. Is he the best in the Premier League? Oh, right. Um, He's one of them. I mean, in his position, I wouldn't swap him for anyone, I don't think, necessarily. No, it'll be interesting to see if we do 
improve next season with better players around him, what that does to him, whether he lifts even further with, with players of better quality next to him. And somebody who's been a bit more circumspect about the defeat, uh, is it Chair? Is that the name of the person who's um, who's nominated Marcelo Bielsa? It's what it says here, which is ironic because it's what Bielsa was lacking Yes, in the the awful stadium. I mean, it does say Chair and I put that on the prep sheet, so I'm guessing I've just typed that wrong. Maybe it's Claire or uh, Chairman Mao. <laughs> or... I can quickly... No, don't. I don't want to know. I, don't well, I tell have, me if I you find out. Open. If you find out, don't tell me. I don't want to know who's what the, their real name you is. You know, when you start touch typing, but your fingers are not quite in the right place on the keys, and what you write is absolute nonsense. That might be what's happened here. Anyway, chair wants to nominate Marcelo Bielsa for allowing me the opportunity to be frustrated with Premier League Leeds United, and it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Let's keep him, despite the, what uh, Richard Key says. There is actually nobody with anything resembling that name on the spreadsheet where we <laughs> collate these contributions. So I am slightly wondering if Michael's just invented it. Well, it was on the sheet somewhere anyway. Um, I'm going to blame then as a villain Monday Night Football because it meant we've only had like a morning to prep for this. So it's been, it's been, you know, there's not been enough time for me to spell everything yeah. correctly. In, in which case, I have found the entry and we should apologise to Chris. <laughs> Chris, chair, whatever. Chris, you're going to have to change your name. I won't be wrong. Yeah. I think Moscow may have spitefully changed this prep sheet to make me look Don't stupid. start... <laughs> On that kind of nonsense. Do we have a hero of the week? Chair. <laughs> yeah, has, chair can have it. <laughs> well done, chair. Best thing that's happened to us all week, really. Oh, nice one. Well, we'll wrap it up there then, I guess. Um, the whole TSB experience is available at your fingertips. If you want to get early access to the match ball, listen ad-free to all the podcasts and get the Extra Ball, our subscriber-only podcast, plus full digital access to the magazine, a daily email from Moscow with all the essential Leeds United news. It's all part of TSB+. Plus squareball.net forward slash plus we'll catch you next time bye bye the square ball podcast even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 